this is Finn and Jack. Finn and Jack. Finn and Jack. And you're listening to the podcast. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. We were it. We were it. We We were in a band, a really shit band, and now we talk to people about the first bands, all the bad gigs, and other tragic things that only ever happened. Well, listeners. Welcome again into the Thunderdome. It's me, Finn. I'm here with my buddy Jack. Jack, how you getting on? Hello. Yes, all okay, Finn. How do you do? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. It's been a really long time since we recorded one of these intros, uh, listeners. So welcome to another episode of We Were In A Band. Uh, we're back and it's 2022 now, man. It's 2022. A I whole know. fucking year has passed. Yes. And uh, this interview, I'm looking right now at the at the screen here. The interview that we're sort of presenting right now was recorded on the 6th of March, 2021. So it's been a hot minute. <laughs> Was it actually March 26th of March? Yeah, Nick, in the, there's loads of stuff I've edited out because Nick talks about his tour that's been postponed. That tour actually did end up going ahead in the September and the October. And are we to understand it went very well? Yeah, it went well. He smashed it. Um, he's got another tour coming up, but we'll talk about that afterwards. That's great. Well, I guess, Nick, if you're listening to this episode, you hopefully got this far. Congrats on the tour, man. <laughs> Sorry we didn't promote it before it happened. Well, first of all, did you, Jack? Let's let's have the conversation because it was it happened earlier, later in the year. You know, you're a music man. Did you watch all eight hours of Get Back, the Beatles documentary, and did you cream your jeans over it? I've not seen it. <laughs> a blistering <laughs> <Have you>? review. <laughs> yeah. I did. To be fair, I sat. I, I watched a lot of it. All I eight hours. It was Matt. It's very long. It's very long. But the the good thing was, I guess, that you saw them when they were just sort of mates chatting, like you imagine a mm. lot of like young lads are in bands. Yeah, um, yeah, that was cool. I mean, not necessarily looking to go in <laughs> in depth about it, but that that was a thing that happened. I wondered if you'd seen it because you were you are you a big Beatles guy? Were yeah, massive. Guy? That's the thing. Massive. I was obsessed. You know, I used to try and look like the Beatles once. Um, once upon a time for about 10 years um but yeah i just haven't yeah i haven't got eight hours spare to sit and watch people eating toast and sort of writing songs yeah you know, i struggle to eat my own toast and definitely can't write my own song so yeah you know, <laughs> sad. i know what you mean <laughs> i know what you mean man it was it was a real commitment it's one of those things where you end up you start i started watching the first episode and then i was there and it was four in the morning <laughs> and you're like <laughs> Oh man, I, I I gotta get a job, man. You know, <laughs> I gotta do some stuff. But you've been doing stuff though. You've you've recently released some new tracks, right? You've been doing some music. If it, yeah, if we're gonna plug it, I'm gonna plug it. Hugelyunsuccessful.com. That's my website. I've put some tunes out. Um, it's been getting very conflicting reviews within the same review from the same reviewer. So one reviewer said in the same sentence, "This is super sick, but sloppy." <laughs> so it's yeah i've done what i set out to do um yeah loving it it's perfect i'm very happy but yeah that's my plug yeah there's some tunes out a lot of people have hated them don't know really if anyone's liked them but uh yeah, i liked it man there. i gave you a good review oh yeah you did that that was the best one that's the top one made your dog my bark. review was yeah made me dog bark and that that's a good thing because i enjoyed it yeah frankie <laughs> was singing along having a great time 
but how about you obviously you had your uh you had a premiere right didn't you Oh jeez, we've been making Talk films, about it. making documentary films. Um, we made a film about Scotland and their climate change journeys, which is pretty good. Um, enjoyed making it. it. Took a long time to make. And uh, get this, I know we interview some fucking hot stars on this show, mm-hmm. but I ended up face to face, mono e mono, with Nicola Sturgeon, First Minister of Scotland. <laughs> Your boy. <laughs> F.O. Sullivan, <laughs> sitting down with the politicians, taking them to task. Oh, perfect. It was huge, man. Nice. It was huge. But yeah, you know, it wasn't anything big. We had a few glasses of wine and we, mm-hmm. you know, we shared, <laughs> we shared a pizza, Papa John's and uh, had a <laughs> glass of, of a wine. cab. <laughs> yeah, in the back of a cab on the way to, uh, on the way to a Claxons gig. I tell you what, the Bebo account's up and running. Yeah, yeah, because the Facebook page is non-existent and we're banned from Twitter, so uh, <laughs> we need we needed something. <laughs> it's all going brilliantly. Such part-time podcasters. But listen, enough of this bullshit. We've got an actual, uh, we've got an interview, another interview, a great interview we did all the way back in March 21, um, where we, we spoke to a, a lovely gentleman by the name of Nick Corbin. Um, and Jack, you, you've met Nick Corbin, you've played with Nick Corbin before, right? Yeah, so I've known Nick since about 2014. But um, for listeners that probably, if you're listening, you probably do know of his work. But if you're not familiar, he was in a band uh, which he goes into great detail about called New Street Adventure. And uh, they released two albums on Acid Jazz Records, so a really legendary label. They did a lot of touring all over the UK. I mean, if I think of the venues I've seen Nick at, uh, I've seen him headline Coco in Camden, 100 Club, XOYO Jazz Cafe they've played Clapham Grand they've toured all over Europe which he goes into a lot of detail about that some great stories from those European tours Uh, he's now out on his own his debut solo album came out last oh no June June 2020 his <laughs> solo album come out I'm so far behind uh, we'd obviously filmed it when we filmed when we recorded this interview we'd it, that was only you know a few months after the album would come out but that's now over you know nearly 12 months ago so whatever uh, so his first album came out um, he's then since uh, he's been able to tour it he's got another tour coming up in March an acoustic tour so check out his website we'll put a link to that uh, but it's nickcorbin.co.uk if you want to check that out he's now since set up a label with his uh, wife Sophie so they've got big AC records which they've had quite a few successful releases actually been getting a lot of airplay a lot of support on Radio 2 and 6 Music among others so yeah dig into the Nick Corbin universe if you're not familiar yeah, absolutely. He's got a great following. I think I think we, I was quite nervous about interviewing Nick as well because he was he's he's probably the guy with the biggest profile that we've interviewed so far. Yeah, but he was so lovely and so kind and so good with his time. He he let us sort of fuck him around for a, for an hour or so or two hours or whatever it was. Us, I think uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> he let me fuck him around for a while, but listen, I appreciate it. Um, anyway, I guess you know. While, while we're chatting shit, you could be listening to the interview. So without further ado, uh, here's our interview with Mr. Nick Corbin. We were in a band. What was the very first gig that you did? It was um, at Birmingham Uni, not not the student union, but another like um, uni bar that, that they had. So I'd started my old band, New Street Adventure, um, yeah 2006 or 7 i think and then we had a gig it was yeah beginning of 27 2007 and then uh yeah we had a gig about four or five months later 
And it, it was all right. I was just really nervous from what I remember. What, what age were you when you first, was it, and this is your first ever band? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I went, I got into music quite late. So I, I, um, I only started playing guitar when I was like 18. And um, right. by the time I got to uni, I uh, just, I met a drummer and a bass player on my first day. And, um, and yeah, we just said, oh, let's, let's start a band. And it took a couple of months. And then, um, yeah, eventually that it kind of came together quite quickly. And we just started playing a few songs that I'd had um, lying around. And then, and then, yeah, we did, we did this gig. I was, I would have been 21, I guess, 22, 21, I think. Yeah. Nice man, and you're and it... you look twenty one now for for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Like you haven't aged a day, mate. There was two bands that um, our bass player he did this. Um, is it called OTC, like Officer Training Corps or something like that? And oh, um, yeah. one of the other lads was in a band and was organising the gig, so we supported them. But I think they were just like mainly a covers band. But yeah, it was just a sort of casual like Saturday night in the bar and and oh you can play a play if you want so yeah we that was our first gig it was kind of like easing us into it I suppose how did you feel about it were you were you really nervous oh yeah and because because I guess because I'd written all the songs and I think we played nine tracks that I'd I'd written and we'd only just sort of been rehearsing I I still wasn't that great on guitar and um so I was, yeah, I was just, I was really, really nervous. I felt sick like all day, and then <laughs> it sort of ruined my night as well. From what I remember, I just—it always does, doesn't it? Yeah, I did. I didn't feel good until I'd, at least the next day. Yeah, it was. It was still like just real tight feeling in my stomach. I remember. Did you not even have that relief like afterwards, where you have the first sip of the pint after you finished, and you're like, "Thank fuck, right. that's over." <laughs> I remember it was because um, it was summer and my like a few of my mates had come down because they were really supportive and I just um I remember we we stayed up we went on this massive walk um just like at, at sort of midnight just trying to make myself feel better I I don't know it was so it was so wow. weird I'd never been that nervous before then or since I think it's like it sounds like a trauma <laughs> yeah, and that yeah was... it was I, I remember I felt I couldn't do it I couldn't even have a drink afterwards really um yeah really strange isn't it i can't now I, I i do get a bit nervous but not not anything like that you got it all out of the way on the on the first thing I mean, yeah. was, were you well was it well received at the gig that was a good turnout. Uh, it was all right yeah I, I i don't really remember i i remember thinking like we've we've done ourselves justice yeah but yeah i think like you know not wanting to sort of generalize uni students too much but people 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 at that age just weren't really that bothered about music who people want to hear songs they know yeah and, um, mm-hmm. so i think it was sort of polite acceptance probably <laughs> <laughs> and that was the name of your first album yeah <laughs> <laughs> i totally hear you though it's, it's difficult to 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 go up without playing covers at all to go up there and play your own music because not only you're you're kind of bearing your soul to an extent but yeah other people yeah. are trying to trying to vibe with it and it's really tough to get into something when you've only heard it for the first time you don't know the lyrics you know you can't get the Definitely. crowd on, on on your side yeah i mean I, there's still a bit of that when you because i do a lot of well i used to do a lot of supporting bands and just touring playing acoustic sets before they um before their headline slot and some people just aren't bothered you know they're, they're like 
you get used to people talking from the start all the way through your set and it's I don't know I've learned to get used to it but yeah Yeah. at at the end of the day people who are there to see the headline band they just they just want to hear their songs so so after that gig was it a big gap between the next gig It, it was quick like we um we'd actually already booked there's a venue in Birmingham called the Sunflower Lounge which is still there actually and it just I think it just holds about 60 or 70 people downstairs but it's really it's really cool place actually and um we'd hired it out because I think you could get it for 60 quid and wow. we we I think we sold it out I think we but we were just selling tickets for like three quid yeah um to all our mates and that was I feel like it was a week later or or maybe maybe two weeks later or something like that so um and then yeah we just started booking gigs around Birmingham like where wherever we we could really yeah and and it makes sense that you, you say you sort of started off in Birmingham the first band was called New Street Adventure right is that yeah. is that based on a fun story that you had around the train station Birmingham New Street well I, I don't know if it's a fun story but um but yeah it is it is from that so we we lived in Selly Oak which is like the sort of little I don't know borough high street bit where yeah. uh, they put all the students and we lived right near the train station and the three of us would often well and all our mates we'd it'd be like a 10 minute train to new street for whenever you went out on town or or when you wanted to go to the shops or, or whatever so yeah um, the bass player I, th- I think it was him that came up with it and he said yeah what about new street adventure <laughs> I was nice. like, oh, oh, why not? i mean it's hard and it we're getting band names together but oh, yeah and i yeah. often find i like the fact that you guys were sort of re- rehearsing and really actually playing music because like jack says last time um a lot of the times you get the band name comes before the band or any of the music because people are like oh that would be a cool name and yeah. so you set up yeah. your myspace page <laughs> and then you try and figure out how the fuck to play guitar like after that <laughs> on that second gig were you as nervous i felt loads better after that definitely um yeah i didn't really get that that feeling again that sort of gut churning feeling i think that will yeah i've, I've never really come close to that <laughs> <laughs> that's good i'm glad, glad to that is it. good it would have ruined your life you would have been yeah. constantly <laughs> up or down from one gig or the other you've sent us that that first demo uh how sort of was that still when you were based in birmingham you recorded that or had you moved down to london um I, i'd that, moved that to london yeah i mean it's hard talking about new street because the really as i see it we were we were a completely different band once i moved to london mm-hmm. because um the the other lads that were with me they quit because they weren't in london and they weren't sort of prepared to travel and and then it started taking on more of a like soul um influence like it always been a bit soul influence but then i started I just made it my business to meet loads of people on the kind of soul scene and um, and yeah, start writing different songs, I guess, and expand the lineup. So the demo that I've sent is, yeah, the first recordings that we did once I moved to London, which were just um, with some students. I, I think they were Danish, the guys. They were really nice. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, like that. Is it like Rent Gumtree? <laughs> yeah, I, I just like, oh, we these people offering free recordings at a studio in angel in islington and um oh that's cool yeah they they just they they were really great actually and, and we recorded two tracks but the one i've sent you 
um, is called Forever Unmasked, and and we went on to record that for our first like proper soul EP. Yeah, that's cool, oh, nice. man. And we, we've actually so we've got like you said, you sent it to us. So we've got a little snippet here. I'll just give it a little spin for a few Let's seconds, and we'll take you down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Amazing. And what so what year was that, Nick? Sorry? That would have been uh 2010. Okay, yeah. So a couple of years on from the first, yeah, from that first gig. We never did that many recordings really. I think it was sort of it was expensive and we'd had like I don't know that we'd sort of the first year of our like time with New Street, we we gigged and we rehearsed loads, and then the drummer finished and he quit and then we had we found another drummer who was on that demo um but he lived in brighton and he was prepared to come up to birmingham every now and then to rehearse and stuff so we weren't gigging as much as i would have wanted to yeah i mean that's commitment though if yeah, only i mean I, sort of in my experience of drummers they moved to brighton and then i never saw them again yeah <laughs> I had that with two drummers so in the band that me and finn were in, we had two drummers that did that <laughs> So you're, yeah, you've struck gold there. That is cool. Yeah. And it's a great track as well. It's super, super catchy. Even that, like, how do you feel listening to that now? Obviously, I feel like that, as a it long sounds time ago. like I'd sucked on a helium balloon before I sung. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, what's nice is, so when we recorded it, instead of the, ah, we did that with a brass section and then we had backing singers singing the, the backing instead of instead of on me the, that's on the full ver- on the full version yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, that's really yeah. cool when you said you recorded it with some students in islington i imagined that they were singing those sort of like bvs <laughs> and i thought you'd rounded up some students on the street maybe with the promise <laughs> of a good, can of it? lager to come and sing on the track yeah <laughs> just hang around outside vodka revs waiting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're saying that was a fairly positive experience then recording those sort of first demos. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. Has yeah. there been any sort of studio experiences? Uh, you don't have to name. I mean, yeah, we welcome name and shame. We can always edit out anything. Have there been any studio experiences where it hasn't been such a sort of a positive experience for one reason or, you know, or another? It could have just been that the studio smelt funny or yeah, anything <laughs> like, along those lines. Well, most of them do, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I can. the The worst studio experience we had was with our original drummer, um, Chris, who in in Birmingham, and um, and he won't mind me saying this, but we, I think maybe our second or third gig ever at the Sunflower Lounge, um, it would have been the second time we played that. Maybe our fourth or fifth gig. The sound man came up and he said, "I'd really like to manage you," and we um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and he was like, oh, "I'm A and R for Sony." There was all this bullshit. <laughs> Are um, we all? It's I think, always the I way. I think he talking to a few people since. I think he actually was at the time. Um, <laughs> but we became we became really good mates for a bit. But anyway, he 
um, got us a day in with a producer called Matt Terry, who'd done the Enemies stuff. So um, amazing! Yeah. What, was yeah. it away from here? I think he produced that, or maybe some of their other songs. So we went to this guy's studio, and um, and it was really cool from what I remember. But I just as soon as we got in there, I thought like we're really out of our depth here, and we'd only recorded a little bit before then, and we did we'd just done it live. Um, and this guy, Matt, you know, rightly said, right, let's do the drums first, set up a click track and stuff. And, and Chris had never done that. And he could not play to a click. And we just had to go home. <laughs> so oh, <he> tried... no. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we tried. Um, I think I, oh, it was really painful. It was, And I know it, he really he, he struggled with that experience. But we I think we were trying for maybe an hour half an hour maybe an hour but it felt like a long time and then the guy was really nice to be fair he said look go back um practice to a click and and when you're ready just come back anytime but um but yeah it, it didn't work out oh no <laughs> i thought you were gonna say like instead you just decided to all jump in and sort of have a go live but i guess well, that... that's what we were trying to say and he was like no nah, this is how i record this is what i want to do Oh, um, yeah, shit. so that is hard. It's such a shame. Yeah, I think it's a shame because I, I don't know what, um, well, who knows what would have come out of that, but um, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that for years actually. And I, I sat, I sat down with your questions and I was just because I really wanted to try and think of some stuff that I'd not actually talked about before, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I don't know what would have happened with that. I mean, I thinking back, the song that we did probably maybe it would have done all right at the time sort of indie track but yeah like, it wasn't one of my best <laughs> these things happen for a reason but you never you did never go back to matt terry's studio we didn't no no <laughs> but it was I, as, as i recall it was a, it was a he was really nice about it and and it was yeah I, I, he probably just saw that we were like really young and didn't know what we were doing so what what sort of happened next with with New Street? How did you guys kind of carry on? Did you were you eventually signed? Like how what sort of was in the cards? Um, it took a while before we got signed. So that was uh, we did we did a couple of EPs in Birmingham, like just recorded live at the rehearsal studio that we we used to um, practice at, which was called Rich Bitch, which I don't think is there anymore, but it was actually a really good place, um, and. Yeah, the the signing happened. So we did 2011, we did an EP called Just the Kind of People, which is where we re-recorded that demo, Forever Unmasked. And then we did another EP the next year. But the first EP had got the attention of Acid Jazz and we sort of kept in touch. Yeah. And then eventually, yeah, they, they um, signed us at the end of 2012. That's awesome. And then from there on, I assume it was all champagne, caviar... <laughs> you know, golden baths and whatnot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Um, I mean, I, I I look back on it, it was brilliant. Like, we got the chance to make two albums. It's awesome. Um, learned loads about the industry, um, a lot of stuff I, that has really helped and um, and a lot of stuff that, that hasn't. Um but I think like the the main thing with me having a band was like I I was always like the driving force behind it and and we had so many lineup changes as a result and I don't know if that was because of because of me because 
because I always write the songs or or just bad luck, you know, but that was pretty much what contributed to the demise in the end. Slightly. With New Street Adventure, obviously you did a lot of touring. I think that whole time from when you moved to London and pretty much the moment you, you know, split up, it was you sort of, I mean, there's so much gigging, like not only in England and the UK, but obviously you did a massive tour. Was it like a three-week tour across Europe? Yeah, uh, yeah, about, yeah, it was about two and a half weeks. I mean, how was that as as an as an experience? And sort of, were there any standout, you know, any standout gigs that we like, you know, that were great, and then any standout gigs that were just really strange? Oh yeah, man, that was that. The first tour <laughs> was like such a mix of, of I I don't know, like highs and lows. That we the um, there's a venue in Hamburg called the Mojo Club that we'd we'd played the year before, maybe. Um, but just as a one-off, because they got in touch and said, oh, um, our owner loves acid jazz and he's a friend with Eddie Pillar, you should play here. And I and I managed to sort it out and, yeah, and, and it was really good. They got about 200 people to the gig. Amazing. Which was, which was pretty, pretty good because we'd never been there before. Um, and that was, that was one of the only times in my career where I've actually experienced like proper promotion, you know, promoters yeah. <laughs> actually doing what they, what they should, what yeah, their yeah. job title is, <laughs> rather than booking bands who bring people themselves. Um, and so, yeah, so on our tour, Hamburg was the first date and that was, a get, I think we had about 250 there the next time. So that was really Amazing. good. And then we went... Um, the next gig was at a, uh, it was next to a zoo. So, um, in, <laughs> yeah, in a, a place called Furstenwalder, which I, I, it was in a forest basically. So beautiful town near Berlin. And there was, the gig looked like the venue looked like a porter cabin or a youth club, but it was actually, <laughs> it was brilliant. It was really good. Like amazing sound system. Um, quite a few people turned up but there was literally you walked out of the door and there was a zoo there there was like these big buffaloes in a field like, <laughs> right right next to where we were playing um so that was good and then and then we went to Czech Republic for two gigs so we had we had a, a night in Prague first which was like one of our only nights off and that was All really right. good fun like we we like uh, <laughs> the, 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 the hesitation, from, the hesitation. From Prague is we went to um me and <laughs> me and Max who who was a keyboard player he was like I really want to go and have a have a sauna because we've been doing all this driving <laughs> and he like found this it was at a, like a Mercure hotel so it was and he said right you can go for a sauna there it's like six quid so me him and Billy went and um and <laughs> on the door of this sauna was a sign like you know like a no smoking sign yeah but instead of a cigarette it just had a pair of pants <laughs> so and we we're like what sort of place is this max but um it was it was just really normal um it's this, this massive massive room and there was only us and then there was like a couple of other people in there or whatever it was really nice, and then we went and had a drink in the bar afterwards. And, and was that Max, no pants too in the bar? In the bar, you had to wear <laughs> pants in the bar. Luckily, um, but 
we got talking to the barmaid and Max said, oh, are there any, we, we're looking for somewhere to go tonight. Are there any like jazz clubs? And she went, jizz clubs? And he, no, jazz, jizz, jizz clubs. Um, jizz clubs. Let me, and and we, we just all like got the uncontrollable giggles as you, as you can imagine. Yeah. And um, yeah, we never found one. But, um, <laughs> never. No jizz, no jizz. No jizz no, clubs no jizz, or jazz clubs. No jizz, no jizz clubs near here. Yeah, actually, um, I'm going to set up a subsidiary, Acid Jizz, <laughs> Acid Jizz Records. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, so, yeah, so Prague, Prague was, was funny. Um, we And then we went to this place called Kutnahora, which was about an hour away in the, in the sort of countryside in Czech Republic, little town, and had the most bizarre night. So the, the promoter I'd heard from the guys in Stone Foundation, they'd played there the year before and they said the promoter is unreal, like just a one-of-a-kind person. There's this Dutch guy called Willy and he, um, yeah, he sort of looked after us the whole night. There was only about 10 people at the gig and they were all his friends because it was his birthday. And um, <laughs> But he was just passing around like this really, really strong weed all night. And I... I I don't smoke, but like a couple of the boys did. And, um, and it definitely like, maybe I got sort of passively high in this room. Everyone was smoking it. And then we, and just like weird things happening, like, I don't know, like weird conversations. And you know, when the whole atmosphere is just generally like <laughs> just a bit odd. Yeah. And then we ended up, st- they took us to our hotel at the end of the night and it was basically like a haunted house. It looked like the Grand Budapest Hotel. Cool. But you just walked in and, and there were all these weird like, noises coming from everywhere. We didn't meet anyone in the whole hotel. Like, and ev- and some of the boys, because they've been smoking this weed, <laughs> get really, really like freaked out. And to the point where they sent us a picture, they barricaded themselves in their room. They piled up a load of chairs, like in every bit of furniture <laughs> against the inside of the door. Um, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it felt, I, I don't believe in all that stuff, but it felt quite scary. And because everyone else was freaked out by it, 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 it sort of passed you know, passed on. Else. I love that. There's so many stories like, like Europe, uh, for, I, I guess for whoever's listening, if you're from Europe, sorry, but Europe to me always seems like that those sort of weird things do happen. Like you end up in these tiny little towns with no one in it. And you go to these yeah. weird little hotels where like the rules aren't the same and you don't, you're not allowed to wear pants or like people are jizzing <laughs> or talking about, like, I feel like those things exclusively happen in those little weird yeah. European towns. Well, I just think it's different because in, in Europe, like we we played in like Spain, Italy, uh, France, Germany, Switzerland, a few, and yeah, Czech Republic, Belgium, and the the norm is for you you get food, drink all night, somewhere to stay, and you might not get paid very much. It might be like two hundred euros or something. But they basically they it means that all the people involved in it just love music yeah. and they want to look after you. The whole the whole mindset means that they're they're the sort of people that just want to look after you and because they're not money grabbers a lot of the people are more like free spirit and just want to sort of enjoy themselves and i think that is why you end up having more of these like weird encounters and experiences yeah because like it's such an it's a sort of just a different atmosphere like so many people over here are just like i don't know they're just in it for for 
money or for status and that and people can be a bit stuck up whereas in Germany and um everywhere else we've played in Europe it's been different and and thankfully Brexit has made it even easier for us all to play in Europe next yeah year, well so. exactly oh, yeah well, I was <laughs> And I guess while, while we're getting political, it might be a good time to take a little break and play a really short little game I made, Nick. Go on. Do you want to play a fun oh, yeah. game? Of course. Awesome. Well, obviously, it plays on the fact that your name is Corbyn and uh, there, also there's Jeremy Corbyn in the UK who was a, who was a, a somewhat polarising politician during his time. But I've made a little game um, and I made a little theme tune for it too. And also... I'll play it, but uh, if you're interested in getting me in the band afterwards as a bit of a sort of backup singer, <laughs> let me know, Nick. I've not heard this, so I'm excited. Jack, you haven't heard this, have you? No. Here we go. A one, two, three, four. Whoa! Which one should I pick? Is this the voice of Jeremy or is it that of Nick? Whoa, play this game with me. We shall hold hands over Nick and Jeremy. <laughs> Corbin. They're both called Corbin. Bow. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. So that's me at the end there. That was indeed a triple harmony with myself. You so enjoy good. that. So the game's called uh, Who You Call In Corbin. And basically, Nick, I'm going to either read out your lyrics or genuine quotes from Jeremy Corbin's speeches. And um, you've been, I mean, it's just, thinking, about, thinking about this case, you're going you're gonna to know what your lyrics yeah. are. Well, I might not. I might not. Yeah. So, yeah, Let's there see. might be a couple of trick ones in there too. So, first one, inequality is a terrible waste of time, a waste of people's resources. I think that's Uncle Jeremy, isn't it? Uncle Jeremy it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. I want a world of peace. I'm not interested in bombs. I'm not interested in wars. I'm interested in peace. Um, I, I, again, I, th I think that's that's the man with the with the with the. Uh, I was going to say goatee. Is it a goatee or is it just a just a beard? In I don't which really case, know. It could I'm be me. No, yeah. that's, that's Jeremy. That is definitely Jeremy. <laughs> It feels like all hope is gone, but the battle has just begun. That's me. That's, that sounds quite Jeremy-ish, doesn't it? It does, that's, mate. That's one of mine. That is definitely yours, Nick. And after all, <laughs> you're my wonder wall. Yeah, that's one of yours. But the one thing I realised doing this, right, is that um, a lot of them sound really really poetic like a lot of the stuff that that jeremy corbyn is saying could be lyrics like it's mental that this is these are all genuine quotes from speeches he's made maybe i'll have to nick some yeah, <laughs> yeah. here's I, one just just on that i mean obviously i i get i get it a lot less now people say it when i give my surname out and saying oh what like jeremy um because I used to get it for a while, and I was like, "Yeah, it's spelled differently, man." Isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I had an email. I've got to find this email for you. I, I don't know. I mean, just some of the rubbish 
that I get sent sometimes. So here we here we go, right? <laughs> this was um in response to um my album out today email and someone just replied Nick. No hi or dear, just Nick. <laughs> I was like, it's only other blokes that do that, isn't it? Just and it and it sets the tone. Yeah. And you're like, just say hello. Yeah. It's not Nick. Firstly, good luck with the release. Video looks great. Just a thought, dot, dot. Should be three dots. <laughs> yes, two. <laughs> I, I know it's the name you were born with, but every time I see you pop up in my inbox, my mind immediately jumps to the former Labour leader, which is about as far from cool as one could possibly get. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Bloody hell. There's more. Branding in <laughs> this, sen- this sentence. <laughs> oh. Branding in marketing is everything. Full stop. <laughs> What? Unfortunately, that guy has created a huge profile in the Corbyn brand that doesn't work for an aspirational rock star. Brackets, just in case I didn't know this as well, it's nice. Spelt with a Y, but pronounced the same. <laughs> Feel free to ignore me. Good luck. Very best. Um, I won't name names because I don't really care, but yeah. um, I did reply... That- that is fucking awful. What an, what an email to send. Uh, yeah. What did his oh, day cra- look like when he was like, I'll just, I'll just type this email back to Nick, actually. You might appreciate yeah. this. You what know do you what think those? he was saying? Like, oh, oh, cheers, mate. Have you got the number for the Depol office? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we've so, just pressed the vinyl and everything. But you know what? Yeah, you're right. We're going to get, we're going to change <laughs> fucking people. <laughs> Stupid. I'm just looking at my reply. I, I, I think I, I wrote in quite a nice reply, to be honest. But I said... One of the sentences I said was, I get your point to an extent, but personally, I think it's a shame if a name can spark that kind of contempt in someone. But yeah, um, so yeah, uh, I am I am aware that I share a similar sounding surname, but um, yeah, I... Well, it's, it is funny, isn't it, with, with all that? I said, either that's... way, I hope you like the music I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> Did he reply yeah, then? This is where we find no. out you're now best mates. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't reply. He didn't reply. But oh, I well, guess, well, it's, isn't, it, isn't it good to know that people have got a lot of spare time on their hands as well? Yeah. You know, yeah. that your, your album came out in the thick of lockdown, didn't it? It was June, wasn't it? June last year. Like, we were right in the thick of everything all the stuff that's going on and he had time. That's good to know that that was his main concern. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I love the idea of some bloke just seeing, seeing his email come up. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> like just blood boiling <laughs> at his name. Oh, I really want to like Corbin. this man, but it's just it's so Bloody similar Corbin. to Jeremy. Yeah, but look, I'll tell you what, Nick. At least we didn't insult you by creating a silly little game about your name on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got. I just wanted to do one final one that that might puzzle you, uh, just just to see if you can get this one. It's all right to change your mind. Dot 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 on fiscal policy. Oh, that's a bit of both, then, isn't it? Hey, it's a bit of both. Hey, Corbin mashup. It is. You're my wonder wall. 
So I've sort of started it there for you, the the, the amalgamation of your your lyrics and Corbin quotes. There's many you could do, and I'll send you over the list, but yeah, have a go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was um that wasn't as um as wicked as I thought it would be when I created it, to be honest. Oh, I liked it. But it was a it was a fun little aside. Yeah. Fun little game. Uh, Thanks for playing, Nick. With that gig where the where the sort of the foliage was being passed around, what was the perfor- performance wise? How was it? I think it was all right. I mean, Ash was always high as a kite anyway. There's always one. <laughs> he was always yeah, and and because he was the bass player, it was you know, Just hang back. He was yeah, he was he was always like. He was used to it and he was fine. Yeah, I think it was good. But I just remembered, actually, as soon as we finished our last song, Willie, the promoter, got up and said, can I jam with you guys? And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to go for a drink. And then, But then he, like, he took Ash's bass and then was like, I think it was like a half-hour jam with the drummer and the keyboard player. Oh, any good? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> What just so well, you you went down and had a pint and the, the the crowd is still in there and he's just on stage yeah. jamming away. Yeah. Fucking hell. It was weird. It was really <laughs> weird. Yeah. I mean, he was probably a good bass player. I think he was in another band or something. But every, you know, he was just like when we first met him, he was just like one of those magnetic personalities, and he, he was he was a lovely bloke, but he just got crazier and crazier as the night went on, and it was just like whoa. <laughs> so someone completely by the end of the night it was a completely different person to who you'd met at the yeah. start yeah that's wow. how i remember it anyway yeah did you ever, you ever met him since was that the one and only no. time you met willie never never got invited back to uh kutna horror um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and what so from there how many gigs how many gigs were left from from that point so you'd stayed in the haunted house yeah, we went back to Prague the next day and played there, and that was amazing. Like 150 Northern Soul fans turned up, and oh, it was sweet. like Unreal. Prague All Nighters Northern Soul Club, and and that was that was probably the best gig of the tour. Um, then we went down to Switzerland, drove seven hours, played to seven people. Um, Oof, good ratio. <laughs> yeah, and in a room full of like stuffed animals, it was really weird. <laughs> yeah, there was a polar bear. There was ET was in there. Oh, the whole gang really, turned up. Really yeah, they strange. found him. They found him and stuffed him. <laughs> but again, like the, it was so strange. But we we're in this beautiful city in the middle of the mountains. Seven people. I think we got five hundred Swiss francs for the gig. We put up in a really nice hotel, three course meal cooked for us in the oh. dressing room. You know, all this money and the promoter. He was just like, "I'm so sorry, there's not more people here for you tonight." Like, yeah. I, I, I've been, I've been trying so hard, but it's just, it's, it's so difficult for music in this town. And so it was a really, even though there was no one there, I think four of the people in the audience bought our album and. So it it was it was nice, but it was yeah. just a shame. That's um, not bad. Did you get to take home guess... a stuffed toy each as well? <laughs> no, I mean these were like like full ceiling high like stuffed animals. It was oh, really weird. Shit. Yeah. How how did it? So the, that tour was obviously let's call it a good. It sounded like good fun, good success. Yeah, I I'd say we had five. I, I think we did eight gigs, but because the driving around was so. Um, 
or maybe nine, but there, there was big distances and we had yeah. a couple of days off. Um, I'd say like six were good and there were three that were, it was just like, there was one in a place called Schwäbisch Gemund, which is like the most <laughs> German sounding place. Schwäbisch Gemund. Um, and and that was that was bad that was like really really bad um and there was this guy in a in a harrington and a pair of shorts and dr martins that was like, <laughs> like dancing right there were 10 people at the gig and he was dancing right in front of me the whole night <laughs> shouting and screaming come on play something faster and stuff like this and, and but you know like when someone looks a bit dangerous yeah yeah. yeah, I couldn't wait to get out of that one. Yeah, Harrington and Shorts, that's a dangerous combo in itself. Oh, yeah, yeah some big 1460 boots too. <laughs> yeah, he, what a he, bloke. Was, he was scary. Was that the gig with the... I really vividly remember seeing a picture where you're playing and there's a bloke stumbling out the toilets in a cowboy hat. Was that the oh, same no, gig? That, that was in Belgium. That was the oh. last one of the night, yeah. So that was when we met Ashley, um, who took that photo. And he he's an English guy, but he lives in uh, where does he live? Uh, Dusseldorf, and yeah. drove over for that with his family for that gig. And um, yeah, we've stayed in touch. He comes over for quite a lot of gigs and still takes pictures. So oh, uh, yeah, so that's nice. But yeah, that's yes. a good photo, isn't it? The yeah, in the cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> there are many people that you cross, whether it be within your you know your era of the solo career or the new street era where you were sort of promised someone would make a promise and they didn't quite and they didn't deliver on it and it's not like they sort of you could tell that they tried it was just like yeah it was the, a promise that was just not, total bullshit that's the way yeah. yeah i mean you you guys know what it's like when you you've been in bands and and trying to make a success of your own music like you're you're just constantly it, a lot of the time it's not even promises is it it's like people say you know i remember we got told for ages oh you're going to support sharon jones and the dapkins on the next tour you're going to do this you can do that i can get you supporting amy winehouse was one of the early ones like sad before she sadly died yeah and when you're young and you're naive and stuff you you kind of get excited about those things and you you think they might be a possibility but now yeah. now i've sort of grown to to realize that that those sort of things I, I i don't i try not to get excited about anything really until it happens um but yeah in terms of like naming and shaming <laughs> it's what's really hard is um i think it's it's not really okay to do that unless you feel like you've actually had it out with that person in oh, face to face yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? oh, for sure of course but, um, yeah. but there are a few people that i have face to face with and then um, and i guess also going back to the promises it's like it's it can be a bit of a two-way thing can't it because like th people might promise things but they they promise it might be a suggestion based on them getting something from you as well and like maybe mm. maybe you know there, there will be people that probably have felt let down or disrespected by me over the years for, for, I hope, I really hope not, but it's sometimes it's just the way it is when you're meeting lots of people and um, yeah. you, you might forget something or, or it will kind of slip away. And yeah, it's, it's all an experience thing, isn't it? But um, I mean, the so, so the big one for me in terms of like a bad promoter or or a, a bad gig was we got booked to play upstairs at Dingwalls and I think this was like before our first album came out but we that was like quite a good year for us we were playing quite a lot and 
building a good following. And it was one of these gigs that had been booked for ages and it was like, oh, if you get 50 people on the door, we'll give you 50 quid or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And we had a lot of people turn up. I mean, maybe, I don't know, 70 or 80 people turn up. Maybe, yeah, maybe not quite that many. But the promoter um, was one of one of the bad ones. I can't, Chris, someone, he was a Geordie guy, ran, I think it was called Club Jubilee or something. I don't care about saying his name because I, I had it out with the bloke. And I, I, it was the closest I'd come to having a full-on like fist fight with someone because he, his person on the door had been fiddling and hadn't hadn't um, tallied off everyone. And I had to say I could go around everyone in this audience and tell you the people that have come to see us and yeah. and you know we're, for fifty quid and there's yeah. seven of us in the band and you're just thinking like that that was one of the angriest I've ever got in my life and and I I remember I, I did the full on like name and shame on social media the next day and stuff and then he sent nice. me this groveling email about it and I don't know the guy the guy maybe had a bad time or something but yeah that was that was pretty. Pretty horrible. You know, you know why he had a bad time though, because he's yeah. ripping people off. Because he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many times where I feel like I've really been taken advantage like that. And um, yeah, and uh, like an- another kind of more light light-hearted one was when we did our um, our first like proper sort of soul EP with um, this guy called Noel McCoy who produced it. It was like a soul singer, and he he was sort of advising me on which musicians to use. And then once the EP was ready, he said, I've got a guy who does like press and promotion and PR and stuff. Um, he just takes 500 quid and he'll, and he'll work, work on it all for you and stuff. And I remember, um, so I turned up at this pub with 500 quid in in cash, like ready to go Yeah, in an envelope. And, and I was like, I, I think I had to get it from my dad, like bless him. It was so, so good whenever I needed something like that. And cause it was a great opportunity. He, he, at the time he gave me this money and, um, and I was in the pub with Noel and this bloke turned up. I, I, his name was Nick, but I, I honestly can't remember his surname. He's like quite a big guy. And he literally rubbed his hands together as I gave him the money. Oh, <laughs> just remember, oh, lovely, like that. And he took it and just walked out. And I think I... I what, well, nothing happened? We got, I think we got like an online Blues and Soul. Oh, yeah, I did an interview with Blues and Soul magazine, which got published online, which was quite good. But I think yeah. that was about it. But it's just that memory of this bloke just rubbing his hands together. I remember his smile and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, that's it. I don't know who he is, but yeah. But like the the whole idea of going with with um like what year was this like with that some guy takes cash from you in the pub yeah in the pub twenty eleven that was yeah <laughs> but even even like last last year we um were recommended a radio plugger who was you know we had a meeting with them and everything like twelve hundred quid later and I, all I got was an interview on BBC Sussex you know it's like the amount of money that you and speaking to other mates in bands and stuff and you mm. know that amount of money like we just we just had um the new singles from our like the next artist from our record label that we're that we're releasing we paid less than that to record two well, songs well this stuff. is yeah 
it could just go into so much other stuff within that. Yeah, it, and, it, yeah, and it's sickening as well. Like there wasn't even an apology. It was like, oh yeah, and uh, they they couldn't even get us on like Robert Elms, who played everything that I did before. And I'd love I'd love to name and shame them, but. But it's not, no, it's of not course. Yeah. No, no, definitely. <laughs> the, we'll just put a big, so, tell us now. We'll just put a big beep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, this is the, the problem with the music industry and maybe arts in general. Is like most most of the people that you have to impress in order to progress your career are dickheads who just want <laughs> money. They just want yeah. a quick bit of money, and and they don't give a shit about. How how much you know what it took for this person to come up with this money? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, that's I don't even earn that in a month, like from my job. It's, it, yeah, so it's a madness. Yeah. It's there's, a, there's it's, lots of. It's always surprising stuff. too when you hear about those sort of stories that that people would even be, um, sort of preying on on yeah. new up and coming musicians. Where and that's that's not like a big that's not a big gold mine that's not a big wealthy pot of money like that's what you <laughs> yeah. say. people are, are scraping to get that money together so to sort of yeah. like it's a certain kind of sort of like sickness that you that to be preying on new up-and-coming acts like there, there's yeah, a lot of exactly. other bigger acts that... and like you know it's a risk and stuff but but like i, I was prepared to take it at this point because i yeah. thought well i've come this far with this record and yeah um no it makes it makes you sick that sort of that yeah. sort of stuff the relationship thing is the most important. Like I've learned from, well, who nobody likes falling out with anyone, do they? But there's been a couple of people that I've met in music over the years that they haven't got anything good to say about anyone. And they seem everybody that you sort of bring up and uh, there's quite a well-known producer I worked with um, for on a couple of tracks and, um, and he and he does really well, and he just seems to have fallen out with everyone. And he, <laughs> he fell out with, you know. And I'd spend time with him, and I, I liked him, and and we we made some good music together. And he just seems to have a have a chip on his shoulder about stuff. And and I and I just sort of thought like, it doesn't matter what level you're at if if you're just going to fall out with people all the time and burn all your bridges. It's just it's a killer you know what's what's the point and yeah and so so that's the thing is a lot of the time if i ever feel like i've um you know someone's rubbed me up the wrong way or whatever i just won't speak to them anymore yeah and that's I, the best way and yeah. like the the promoter that i mentioned before like i didn't mind that because that was that was sort of up you know rage up to yeah, 10 yeah, on the yeah. night and and there, there have been a few people over the years I've had an argument with or whatever. But yeah, most of the time I just I just wouldn't speak to them again. Just sort of think that's a, you know I just tend to sort of distance myself from from people if I feel like that it's it's not gonna not gonna end well. Yeah, I think that's the greatest thing to do. I, I think you've just got to cut it out because otherwise you, it will make you miserable then, and you'll just start to fucking yeah. wallow in it. You know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's just no point falling out with people. And, and giving other people bad things to say about you either. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so after New, New Street Adventure, that I'm guessing at some point sort of came to an end and, and you started your kind of solo thing that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, it got to the point where we, we put our second album out and, and then just constant lineup changes all the time. 
and I just got a bit exhausted with it and it just sort of felt like we were plateauing a bit. And yeah, um, yeah. and then we, we did a tour with um, a band called The Milk who who were really good friends of ours and, and I just milk. thought it's it's not really going to get any better than this. And um, yeah, and so, so I knocked it on the head. They are awesome. I'd love that. That would have been a water lineup. New Street Adventure yeah. and then the Milk. It was headline. good. Wow. The final gig, like that was an amazing thing, wasn't it? Because that, that was at the, what was the name of that venue? It's the 229. Yeah. And that was like, I remember you saying sort of people would come from all over Europe. There were people from France there and it was like massive sold out gig. So at least amazing. it ended on this sort of massive, massive high. Yeah, yeah, I wrote a little piece about it on social media because it was it was actually the third anniversary of that gig. Um, a few yeah, end of January this year, and um, yeah, just feel so lucky to have like had that chance to actually like draw a line under it and and mm. say goodbye like that. It was really really special actually. You know, I'll always remember that night and have it having the chance to to do that was was pretty awesome really because what's it one band the first the first guy we spoke with when he was talking about his first band we're like how did it end and he was like well i got someone pregnant the drummer got really into drugs and the guitarist went off traveling (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly how it usually ends (laughs) yeah it it does happen that way doesn't it i I know the maccabees did it didn't they i think they had like Mm. a series of final concerts which is nice but yeah people always ask me if we get back together but it's not really like I don't really see the point because we had so many members over the years. Yeah. I mean, we could get back with the original lineup um, or or, sorry, the last existing lineup, but I I don't know. I've sort of moved on and I, I wrote all the songs, so I'm happy to keep playing them in my solo sets. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really see why the band has to get back together. Yeah. That has always been my, my thought with it. And, yeah, and I, I, it is really nice when people say they really miss the band and stuff, and and yeah, that's that's great. But like, I, I just always reply, "Well, you, you just buy a ticket to see me, and you still hear the songs. <laughs> yeah, they sound the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't say that. I'm not. But like, I'm, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious. But like, you know, just. I'll still play the songs musicians in in my new band are, are brilliant, and they they make them they make the songs sound just as good. What's what's been your favourite venue? Um, our Union Chapel, I think, was the favourite oh, wow. favourite nice. that I've played. Um, just because it's so different from everywhere else that I've mm. that I've done. Um, yeah, there are loads up there. I, it's it's quite it's controversial, but I don't think there are that many good venues in London. Like, a, a, a small um, size, I think. Mm. Like, some of the venues, like. When we when we did the the tour with the milk, we played at Gorilla in Manchester. That's that's fantastic place that, and the, the arts club in Liverpool was brilliant. Um, where else? Yeah, so so many. Oh, Concord too in Brighton. It's like what a legendary venue, and the people there that work there were just they're just all in love with the place. They're there all yeah. the time, and they all just live yeah. around the corner. Um, but. Oh yeah, the, the the worst one I think we've done in the UK was, um, and just worst experience probably. I mean, the, the venue, I, I don't know it that well. It was called, I can't remember. It was called Cactus Jack or Sp- Spanky Van Dykes. It was called in Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> Love the name. I um, know it well. <laughs> but like it, maybe maybe the venue's not that bad. I only went there once, but we had the worst thing. Like we we were promised that it was a sort of it was meant to be like a 
a warm-up gig for this big festival that was that was going to be put on which ended up being cancelled and um we yeah the gig was they were like there's gonna be loads of people there because the festival's gonna be gonna be the talk of Leicester um <laughs> the talk of it's Leicester. gonna be yeah at the <laughs> de Montford hall which would which would have been pretty amazing they were gonna have like brand new heavies and um I don't know loads loads of bands on but we want you to do this warm-up event and at that point we were like oh okay well yeah we weren't really asking how much money we'd we'd be paid and stuff um again like sort of naive but we got there there was no dressing room there was no rider there was no money the promoter was like, i haven't sold any tickets I'm like, okay <laughs> right. hell. what a miserable um, thing like all right yeah. lads i haven't sold any tickets sorry like, as soon but, as you walk in the door fuck yeah, me. pretty much i mean i don't know if it was that exact line but it gets worse so we did um we had this sort of quite like weird character of a drummer you'll remember him jack a lad called jeremy and yes there was a support band for us um who no one was watching because no one had bought any tickets and we were, you were watching like, them were you watching the sport well band? we went into in to watch them halfway through because i think we'd gone to get some food and jeremy was just on the drums with them <laughs> just like i'm like what are you doing he's like oh they needed a drummer so i just thought i'd, I'd play a bit Okay, cool. So we did that, and it, it was quite funny. And then we played just before our gig. I said to the promoter, "I was like, we we've driven like it took us ages to get here. Sorry, it wasn't in Leicester. It was in Nottingham. Oh, okay. oh, so the, the the festival was meant to be in Leicester. The gig was yeah. in Nottingham. That's Apologies it. to the so, to the town of Leicester there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I wouldn't want to slag Leicester off. We've always had good gigs at the Donkey there, anyway. It's really cool. Another great but, name. Um, but yeah, the festival was that's where I got mixed up. Nottingham was a big drive from for us, and we'd we'd gone there, um, and I said to the bloke like, "You're gonna go round this because it was a pub downstairs. You're gonna go and ask people to come up and watch us because we're not coming all this way to play for no one, for no money, for no drinks, for nothing." And he sort of reluctantly asked a couple of people, and I think. A, a couple like came came up and watched us for like a couple of minutes but again going back to what we said before they were they weren't interested in songs they didn't know and when we finished our set i i looked at my phone i had a text from the promoter saying sorry i couldn't hack it in there I had to drop a shoulder see you later get back to london safe and he just well, no. he wasn't even there at the end. Oh. <laughs> yeah he just gone <gasps> sorry i couldn't hack it in there yeah <laughs> fuck God, yeah. that's, that is awful, Nick. That is. That but is what awful. couldn't he hack? There was no one there. Well, I think <laughs> that was it. He just probably just didn't want to face us at the end of the night. Yeah. Just, I, don't, I don't know what. I, I wouldn't have said anything to him. I, I'd said everything that needed to be said already. But um, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, oh yeah. God, that that's is that's really that's. <laughs> that I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting that. That's quite special, to be fair. That's really. Um, I mean, that's some uh, kind of douchebag in it. So, sorry, mate. This is fucking dreadful. I've got to. Uh, I can't hack it. I think he might have actually said "fucking dreadful" in the text. I, I can't. I can't remember. Well, like it was your fault. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and mate. then, so it got even worse. So the next, the next morning, we were picking the gear up, and um, and we we got stopped by a traffic warden and got a ticket, and I lost oh. it at this woman. <laughs> so you you've actually you've had to pay money to play there 
at yeah, this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was just all like it, oh, it knocked man. it on the head, but we, yeah. we laughed about it. Uh, it's just yeah. one of those perfect ends to a perfect weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Oh, and then and then I fired the drummer um, <laughs> about a week a week later, Jeremy. But yeah, I, I just told him. I said like we've we we're, we're going to replace you because I don't I don't think your attitude's right. And um, I had I, I had a really honest conversation with him actually, which is another thing like I've sort of learnt kind of how to do and I still don't know if I do it right it's not very nice to have those conversations with people is it but and and I and and we left on on good terms but then I had an email from him two weeks later saying can you play pay this parking ticket please it shouldn't have to come from my wallet and and um yeah so that was the last I heard from him like going back to the sort of promising stuff promising people stuff and like I, I think when I when I first sort of looked at that question, I thought like actually the worst things are when when like when it comes from people at your sort of level, like from musicians and stuff. Like the the amount of people that have just like we've had just suddenly stop answering their phones, or we had a guitarist yeah, yeah. that I actually worked with him. I, I I before the guitarist before Billy, so this would have been like 2011. Um, I worked in the same place as him and he was in the band and we had a gig in Islington and he just stopped answering his phone. Didn't come to practice, didn't turn up for the gig. I saw him at work on the Monday. I was like, what happened to you? <laughs> at work? Um, yeah, and it, and it was just awkward. And then had other people that we've auditioned and they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this and not turn up for a first practice and stuff like that. And And you just think like... I don't know. We've all, we've all probably done things like that at, at various times in our lives. But oh, yeah. You just yeah. learn, like, the, the people that I'm still friends with are the people that left the band and they were, like, honest about it and up yeah. front, you know, you have a difficult conversation. But I think there's, yeah, yeah there's, there's sort of a liberty to that as well when you, when you get older and realise that, like, taking responsibility for your actions is quite freeing in a sense as well. Mm. Like, being able to say to someone, like, oh, you know what, I'm really sorry about this. Or, like, when I did that, I'm really sorry about that. Or, like, you, you know, just, yeah. it is liberating in a way to be able to sort of do that. And and I've also found, like, not even, not, this is particularly music related, but being able to say to people as you get older, like, no, I, I can't keep giving you my time for this or like it's it's not something I really want to do or like, you know, I, yeah. I feel like it's a very British thing to get yourself involved in things out of politeness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, so, which is it's something I struggled with for years. And then I was like, wait a minute, I can do, like I, sh I should be doing whatever I want to do. Like I was giving hours and hours to things and projects and stuff. That I was just like, I don't, I'm not into this. So like being able to say like, nah, and then feeling good about it and there being no bad blood is, is fucking refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it is hard, isn't it? Just to with some things like that, yeah, it's really easy just to ignore the the thing and, and you just think like when you're sending stuff out for radio and stuff, to be honest. I, I quite like it when you hear back from someone they're like, I either like it, it's not for me or I I listen to it and I'm yeah, I think there's better music out at the moment and stuff. At least then you know you can draw a line under it and you got to reply. Yeah. That's all you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Even even if someone just replies with emoji of a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah, like that's yeah. <laughs> thumbs like that's down that's... <laughs> You're now in a situation where you you released uh, like is it was it your first solo album last year during during the lockdown? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We we um 
it was kind of ready to go in March, I think. But and then it was like, well, who knows when this is going to go back to normal? And the advice we were getting was just get it out, yeah, just, just release it. And um, yeah, I'm glad I did, but it does feel a little bit wasted. Isn't the right word, but it feels a bit like a missed opportunity well well, you haven't obviously i guess you, you had no opportunity to sort of like tour it or, or get sort of a, a live reaction from from the public and from your fans about about how it went yeah. down so how have you sort of gauged the the reception to the album in in sort of i guess a lockdown world well i did uh i was doing two gigs a week on instagram just acoustic to Amazing. introduce everyone to the songs and um and i think that really helped sort of create this like hardcore of really supportive people who were willing to who were always commenting on my on my music and um, and kind of giving me feedback I guess so um I think the reaction amongst like all my fans has been really really good and and I did I, I do still feel it's like some of my best work songwriting wise I think the problem, the problem with that album, maybe, is just that it is. It doesn't really fit into one genre, and I'm realizing that that is what a lot of people want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's the. But I, that isn't. I wouldn't change it for the world. But I think that's that's kind of what I've realized. Like now, I've started promoting other music. It's easier to sell something when you can say this is a soul album or this is a indie album or or whatever um yeah so but to answer your question it's been a, it's been a good response from from all the new street fans and the people that have heard it i think nick you've also um is it is it a recent thing is it something you've had going for a while that, that you set up a record label right yeah um with uh, my wife sophie so we we thought because i had to self-release my album and and we needed a label name for the distributor so i just called it big ac records like big ac was one of um new streets like big songs like our most popular song and um so i thought it'd be a nice connection for people and then i've always done like a bit of co-writing and wanted to do a lot more and, and i thought well we've got we're pressing records people are buying them we've got a good mailing list we know a few radio producers and stuff now um and there's a really supportive community in the soul scene. So so why don't we try and make some records, basically? And and yeah, so yeah. I met uh, the first singer we released, Abby Farrell, at a, at a jam night last year. And then we wrote this song. And I said, well, look, why don't... This is my idea. I want to do this label. So why don't we do that? That can be your first release. And we'll do the vinyl and the promotion. And, and yeah, it worked quite well. So, that yeah, we're planning to, to do some more now. That's awesome, man. It's a great it's a great time as well when you've got the time to sort of invest into that, like getting everything yeah. going, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and a lot of the time, like when, when you're putting music out for yourself, like there'll there'll be those sort of lag lag periods like between releases where you're like, I need something to to get excited about. Yeah. And the fact that we've got material to promote and and um and what we're doing is we're doing two songs per artist with the um the kind of deal that i have to be in on the songwriting on one of them um basically because 
uh yeah so so it's interesting for me yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> like from yeah. a selfish point of view Fair play. um and it's it's something like even if we only do it for a year and release like four or five records at least like it's it's something for me to sort of look back on and hopefully we're helping helping these singers out as well so mm. yeah um it's i think it's a nice thing to be doing at the end of the show we always like to to spin like a, a newer record obviously we've played some of the older the very first stuff at the beginning is there anything <laughs> from from the album or anything new that you want us to give a spin um well, maybe you should play um, the song that you took the quote from. I got to get back to you. You can play it if you want. Um, That's absolutely yeah, what, whatever you like, really. Um, whatever you guys feel will work. Awesome. I, I would have. Sweet. I would have chosen that. Well, that's actually. I've put it on my running playlist, Nick. Right, and that oh, is. That is that my last kilometre. It's my last kilometre song because um, <laughs> sort of got to get back to you is my house, my flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's really good, mate. I've been absolutely binging that album all week. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, cheers. Great stuff. Glad you like it. We were in a band. Right, that was our interview with Nick Corbin. Nick, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. We hope you enjoyed being on the podcast we hope you've enjoyed listening to that it's a very very as always with all i guess we've been very lucky everyone's been very insightful and very open open to lots of different discussion um so yeah thank you again nick that was yeah that was amazing as always and as i said he's going to be on tour in march doing an acoustic tour taking his sort of uh lockdown acoustic gigs out on the road so he's playing all over the place from brighton all the way up to hull i think so be sure to check him out somewhere that was awesome yeah nick thank you so much mate really appreciate your time and i, I hope you enjoyed the uh the corbin or corbin game uh perhaps <laughs> perhaps somewhat misjudged by me but let's let the listener decide um yes. but seriously that album after we interviewed nick um sweet escape was just back-to-back plays on my spotify and i actually mm-hmm. gotta get back to you you know the spotify does that little like um, here's your year wrapped oh, that right, was yeah. my well, third most listened to track that really? year there we go what was two and one though oh mate you don't even want to know i can't even remember what two and one was i just remember thinking like that is an artist that i hadn't listened a lot to and after we'd interview him it was it was non-stop plays so it's a cracking album definitely have a listen um, but I guess as we do with with every episode we're gonna we're gonna play a tune of of Nick's at the end right jack mm and i think in the interview we said gotta go back to you but being so prolific, uh, Nick's actually released new music since we did the interview. So I think maybe we should play it. We're going to play a track called Piggyback, which is available um, everywhere, all the usual places. But I've been thinking if uh, we put a link to the artist's uh, websites or Bandcamp, because if you buy one song from an artist right for a quid on Bandcamp, that is the equivalent of streaming their song 3,000 times. Really? So, yeah, it takes a long time to earn a pound just from streaming. So if you even just went through all our guests and bought one song from all those guests, you know, that would help them out massively. And they don't have to wait four months for the money. You know, Bandcamp, you get it straight there, straight to you. Um, so I think, yeah, we're going to start doing that, putting links to where you can support these artists sort of directly. Nice. Yeah, I really like that. I had no idea about that. That would definitely be much appreciated as well. Give everyone that we've uh, we've interviewed so far all the other episodes a little purchase on Bandcamp and help them out. Mm. I like we'll put that. a list together and we'll drop that in the description as well. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of another episode. What episode was this? Six? Five. Five. <laughs> Des- <laughs> desperately trying to get to six here, man. 
Um, well, not long, not long to go. We've got it recorded. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, we did. We did one of our first. Me and Jack. Last time me and Jack met, we did our first in-person uh, record, which was really cool. And I won't say the band or the artist that we recorded with, but they're they're a, a, a great group, uh, and we had a really good time. Um, I'm not even sure if much of the stuff is usable, but we had a blast. Yeah, it's an hour and a half of it is unusable, and it was a two-hour interview, so it's gonna be a short one. <laughs> Perfect. Buckle Perfect. up. <laughs> Buckle up. And if you're still here at the end of this episode, um, we really appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Do subscribe. Do give us a follow and make sure that you're kind of telling people about it. If you like what you hear, spread the word. Um, I know our releases are a little bit kind of sloppy and a little bit every three to four months. But you know what? Sometimes you need that. We're the light touch, easy partner, easy girlfriend, you know? You don't need to, you don't need to knock about with us much, but... Sometimes just buy us a pint, pop in, have a long chat. distance. Long distance works. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like the long distance vibe. You know, it's mm. it's cool. And mm. you know, there's not a lot of people want to chat to us, so it's tough to get <laughs> guests because I keep doing stupid games. We get a lot of no's, so we've got to sift through the no's before we get to the yeses. Yeah, Kooks just said no. Uh, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> they need us. Yeah, they 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 need us, baby. But listen, the listeners, thank you so much again uh, for listening and tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. But for now, we're going to leave you with, is it Piggyback? Piggyback by Nick Corbin. Wow. But some days it feels a lot like wasted time You'll do anything to get your way And if all else fails, there's one more game that you can play When you're down and out
Ooh. 